Hi, I'm Jared Fuller. Welcome to Scratching the Surface. I do not need to tell this audience that launching and sustaining a publication, let alone a design publication, is hard work. Finding writers and building an audience, designing the site or the printed publication, and securing the funds to produce it all, especially in today's media landscape, can be tricky. Off the top of my head, I can think of dozens of design publications that have come and gone in the last decade. It's never been easier in many ways to launch a new publishing platform, but it's also never been harder to sustain it. This is why Moss Context has always been interesting to me. Launched in 2009 by architect Eker Gill as a thematic printed journal, Moss Context has evolved into, as Eker says, a platform that commissions and shares relevant ideas, proposals, and experiences that connect diverse disciplines and place. In addition to the journal, they now publish online on their website, they host events and other activities. So for this episode, I asked Eker on the show to talk about the evolution of Moss Context and the challenges and opportunities in design and architecture publishing. In addition to Moss Context, Eker runs Moss Studio, which is a more traditional architecture practice, but you'll hear uh, traditional is a very uh, expansive word here. And he's also the executive director of the SOM Foundation. In this conversation, we talk about how these different activities fit together. We talk about the role of organizing and administration in his work and how his publishing work has evolved with his own architectural practice. A transcript for this episode, as with all of our episodes, is available to Patreon supporters. Scratching the Surface is made possible because of our Patreon, because of listeners like you who help support the show each month. Supporters get bonus interviews, an exclusive monthly newsletter, and all sorts of other bonus content. Students can support the show for just $3 a month, and then we also two additional tiers for 5 and $10 a month for additional content, early episode previews, and more. You can visit patreon.com slash surface podcast to sign up and get immediate access to all of this content. Thanks for listening, and here is my conversation with Eker Gill. I want to begin this conversation talking about Moss Context, which you started in 2009, uh, which you describe on the website. You just launched a new version of the website, which looks great, by the way. Maybe we can talk about that too. Um, but you describe, you describe this as a platform that commissions and shares relevant ideas, proposals, and experiences that connect diverse disciplines and place. And a lot of this, for me at least, the way I sort of came to it was around this qu- quarterly journal that you publish. But it's also um, uh, online platform. It's event series. You're kind of doing all of these different things under the name Moss Context. And I'm wondering if we could go back to 2009 and you talk a little bit about sort of where you were professionally when you started this, what you were interested in, why you wanted to do this, and then also sort of contextually in architecture and design publishing what was going on what was the what was the sort of gap or what what were you missing that you thought you had to kind of start this new thing that's like a a great great question so in 2009 i had basically started my architecture practice mass studio Um, i had worked in a in chicago for about three years and i had worked in architecture practices and at that point I, i had decided that I wanted to go on my own and explore a few things that they were they were limiting within the the context of a, of an architecture practice, and I didn't want to do that, mm. you know, after hours or things like that. So <laughs> right. it was just um, to me, it made a lot of sense to start both the architecture practice maybe as a more traditional um, structure at the same time that I that I uh, I could start mass context as this platform that basically would allow me to collaborate with people and show the work of others um, in a way that was not related to anything that I was doing. I was much mm. more interested in, in having the work of others. So at that point, I had, um, I had published a book about the transformation of Shanghai that came out in 2008, right. um, where the structure for that book really was the, the, the structure for the quarterly journal. So in the book about Shanghai, it looked at one specific topic, in this case, the city of Shanghai, and it had uh, different topics uh, or like different ways of bringing or thinking about that 
that topic. So we had essays, we had diagrams, we had photography, we had many other types of content or had the way we would communicate ideas. And then the contributors came from very different backgrounds. So some of them were residents that live in the city. Some of them, they were uh, documentary, uh, you know, filmmakers working in the city. Other ones were academics. So this idea of bringing people from different disciplines, using different tools to communicate ideas, and but all concentrated on one topic, was really the structure of then uh, mass context. Um, so we started as a quarterly journal. Um, we were very fast-paced. Uh, we were very interested in, again, I'm, I'm very curious about the extensive network of you know, who shapes the built environment, who's involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, my training is in, in architecture, but very interested in graphic design and photography and, and many other disciplines. So this was kind of like a great vehicle to um, to look for yeah. those collaborators and then just yeah. uh, find ways of, of coming together. It's funny that you describe it like that because that's in, in many ways how I see this show also, except I don't see this as like separate from my work, but it's like, what are all the questions that I'm wrestling with in my other work? And then I'll talk to people smarter than me on the show mm -hmm. about how they do it so I can understand it. And it's like, oh, I'm interested in architecture. I'm interested in photography or urban planning. Like, oh, I, let me just kind of talk to those people. And so how did that I mean, I, I guess, how did that, you, you said that this was sort of separate from your work. Um, can you talk a little bit about how those relate? You, you know, you have this studio that you just opened after working in an office, and then you're doing this journal. What was happening at the studio at that time? Was was this, were they, were they in dialogue at all? I think they were, yeah, they were really in dialogue. I think the big piece was that Maybe as a designer, I didn't always have the solutions to the projects that I was or the ideas that I was interested in. So I wasn't mm. trying to force my perspective on on that. And I was more interested in um, collaborating with others to to think about different ways of approaching it. So to me, it was just that way of separating um, the idea of the designer as the person who perhaps gives the solution or the approach to someone who maybe enables to have that conversation about topics that I was personally interested mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to expand maybe the way we could think about them. Um, there were, you know, I, I think if you look at the work that I was doing, I was, I was interested in, you know, things like Marina City, living in the, living in the, in Chicago. Um, there were some collaborators that then they feature in mass context. I think there was like a, a it was in a hard line. But the line that maybe was harder, it was just that it wasn't a client request or a client-driven project. Um, right. Maybe nobody was commissioning anything. Um, it was just the idea of uh, kind of like the network of people that we had collaborated, uh, but then then think about something that was more um, more open. You you did the book on Shanghai that you that you edited. Had you done much? editing? Had you done much publishing? Can you talk a little bit about sort of where those skills or that that sort of interest came in here? Because you mentioned earlier you studied architecture, you were working as an architect. What about this sort of publishing and editing side? Yeah. Um, so I studied architecture. I, I grew up in Bilbao, but I studied architecture in Barcelona as Bilbao didn't okay. have an architecture school. So I moved there when I was 18. And it was a, kind of like a very interesting moment in, in Barcelona. There were uh, there was a lot of architecture coming up in the in the city. This was uh, post the Olympics, but there's a huge tra tradition of publishing in the city. So whenever mm. there will be a, a building coming up, there will be also like a book. Uh, some of uh. the publishing companies had a bookstore and they would organize exhibitions. They would organize book launches. So there was this very interesting cultural environment around the idea of architecture. And uh, we, you had Akhtar, which still goes on, and Gustavo Gili, uh, and many other publications. So that's where I got exposed to this idea of maybe the cultural um, yeah, environment that expanding. And to me, it was, it was thrilling, both the idea of the book the object of the book, but also the book as a tool to bring people together and how some of the content of the book would turn into exhibitions or an opportunity to, to collaborate and talk to other people. So that's really where uh, where that work came from, not necessarily in any way that I really studied in architecture. Do you see, did you see that 
work, you know, the, the publishing, the editing, the writing, the sort of, I don't know, I mean, maybe you could call it like the cultural production around <laughs> the buildings themselves, and even the work that you're doing at Moss Context, do you see that as a, as a type of architecture? Is that, is that a, you know, are there skills from the, the, your architecture education that are kind of playing a role in how you think about and do that work? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, when you're as a design practice or, you know, when you think about how you would approach a, a building, there are certain elements that you have to take into consideration and the certain conversations that you need to have, the certain um, investigations that you need to do. You need to collaborate with people. I think it's just in some cases it takes the shape of a built work. And in other ones, it just becomes right. a book or it becomes an exhibition. But I think it's always about that idea of, you know, what is the topic at hand? Like, what's the, what are you curious about? What are the people that need to be involved in really exploring that topic? And, um, you know, when I think about some of the build work that I've done, I also collaborate with people. I, you know, I decided right. that all the work that I would do as part of my studio, um, it's in collaboration with someone else. Some of right. sometimes is architects, sometimes is um, artists or photographers. So to me, I don't, I don't have a distinction really uh, in the way I approach the projects. It's just that it, it takes different shapes. I need different collaborators for those uh, outcomes, mm-hmm. uh, and also obviously there is a certain medium, you know that. You know, it's not the same thing to have the pace to, to read online versus reading in print or in an exhibition. But those are, they, they don't differ maybe in the way I, um, I approach the project. I want to come back to that last thing you said about sort of reading online versus in print versus an exhibition. But I want to, I want to pick at something that you said that the, the sort of collaboration with Mass Context and the collaboration with the studio you, you don't see a distinction there. Uh, it's just that the outputs maybe are different. And you mentioned earlier that you see the stu- you founded the studio as a more sort of traditional kind of architecture practice, which uh, makes sense to me. But it's also interesting to kind of scroll through the, the portfolio site and to see exhibitions and installations and essays and publications <laughs> and all of those sit on the studio site. They do, they do. Um, can, you, can you talk about that? And can you sort of talk, I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of like the genesis of the project and, and finding its form. You know, what does this take? Is it an exhibition, an essay? Is it a conversation? How do you kind of think about that? Or how does that evolve in, in your work under the context of the studio? Yeah, I think... I think it's a very interesting question because um, when you look at the output of both places, there is there is clearly an overlap. Um, <laughs> so it's not like the mass studio is just like the you know architecture of is getting um, you know new buildings or, right. or renovations, and then the, the exhibitions show up in the other place. I think it's again it's maybe the ones that were more driven by my interest, where I was able to also fulfill the. Um, the design strategy, I wouldn't call it a, a solution, just the, that I was able to put my voice in the way I could present the, the work mm-hmm. um, versus the other ones that Mass Context was much more of the open platform that I was creating the space for the voices of others to show up there. So I split it that more than I do uh, through the oh, actual that's interesting. outcome. Uh, because if you look at the outcome, it's very, you know, it's very similar. So in the case of, of the Shanghai Transforming, maybe it's the biggest overlap there because it's probably how I would approach issues later on, but at that point, that was the only one that that I had done. In some other exhibitions, um, you know, I was the one who was who was driving that conversation. Or even when we did, I don't know, exhibit Columbus with Mimi Seiger, that was a specific commission, commission from someone else. Even it takes you know installations or, or exhibitions. So I think, or, or the U.S. Pavilion, for example, like those are external projects that come to me as as part of a larger team, but I get commissioned to do that. So I, I think it's the genesis of how the projects come to be and where my voice is uh, needs to be more at the forefront versus maybe right. on the background, um, where I see the distinction. I would also say that this made more sense maybe at the beginning and then at the, like, <laughs> where we are currently uh, with mass context and some of the other projects. I mean, the Mass Contact has grown so much into other things that it's, I think, the 
my role has been slightly different about how I can contribute to that conversation. Yeah, so let's talk, let's talk about that actually because I'm curious. I want to again go back to to you know 2009 for a second and this idea of starting a print journal sort of as it's at the core at the beginning. And 2009 is such an interesting time to do something print with um you know, the, the iPad would come out the next year, there's blogging, there's you know, all this sort of discussion around what is the role of print. What were the, can you talk a little bit about the decisions to do something that was print, that was quarterly, that was, you know, bound and had a form um, and, and the challenges that came with that decision then and, and then how that has evolved over the last 13 years to include an online platform events. Can you just talk a little bit about that evolution? That's the sort of early idea there. Sure. So I always come from when we were talking before about the idea of Barcelona and the, the publishing. I, mean, mm-hmm. I was always very interested in the idea of the book as an object. And there's a certain sequence. There is a certain format for the conversations. It's not the same thing to have a newsprint versus, you know, a, a hardcover versus, some you know, the sizes yeah. of the book. So to me, those conversations took a shape and took an object. And I was attracted to the idea of the of the book as an object. So even that at that point, we had the capacity to do everything online. It really just started as a the intention of having a, a print book that for maybe lack of technical uh, capacity, <laughs> it became a website that you could download the PDF. But again, with this idea that the PDF had a sequence, have a pacing, there is a certain relationship between one article and the next. And it was just a place to download that as a way to expand how we people would access that content but it was always intended to be um print at that mm. moment also there was a lot of opportunities to do print on demand like right you had lulu and i can't remember if blurb was there blurb, at that yep. time but you know th- there were all these tools that you would be able to do it and to me it just gave a freedom to say hey we can print certain copies the way we think about it even if perhaps that was not the way we, we couldn't control the paper the way we wanted or certain things, but it, it, there was something tangible. Um, there was something that also that you could give to people or that you could put in a library or you could mm-hmm. find in places that perhaps you were not looking for them. I, in many cases, like when you go online, like, okay, sure, if you're searching for it, you will find right. it. But you don't have that encounter that you go to a, a bookstore or you go to a library and it's it's there. So the, the print to me serves a certain purpose. Also, the way I particularly read, uh, I get very distracted by reading online like, books. <laughs> yeah, so you and I, me both. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, I can read articles, I can read things, but I don't read like a full full book. <laughs> so I need like no distractions. So to me, there's a, there's a place for print and there's also like a, a huge value of online. So we did that for several years and then as a print on demand and we we were lucky after a few years to get a support from the Driehaus Foundation and the Grand Foundation that mm-hmm. it helps us to get a, a, a small amount of money that would allow us to change from print on demand to print locally at Graphic uh, Arts Studio. Yeah. And that made a huge impact. But all of the sudden, um, we were able to control the way we wanted to print, the way mm-hmm. we wanted to uh, do certain, certain things and you know, so I think that was a, a key moment maybe to, to say, hey, we have ambitions about the content. Now we can also have the ambitions about, about print. Yeah, and that, that kind of started as a, it still was quarterly issues. We, we wanted to have this fast pace. We wanted to, to, to work with a lot of people. Um, and it was, it, it kind of like served fine. Uh, but what we realized is like that those collaborations didn't have to have a specific topic. You know, topic is like, right. it was bounding and constraining certain ways that maybe there were other people that we wanted to work with. And maybe I think at that point, we, I was very, very interested in saying, how do, how does this work? How do these publications can have a, an impact in bringing people together in, in Chicago? I mean, my, my mm-hmm. primary interest at that point was, and still is, is uh, Chicago. So it's like, I, I started to think, how can we use this network of people that we are uh, building together from graphic designers to the contributors to, yeah, to, to find a place and to find moments to come together. So that's how the idea of the, of the events um, started, which I think it was like about two years after we started the print publication, we, we started to do projects uh, and, and events here in Chicago. How did that sort of shift from 
something printed to something that was, uh, you know, you have something printed, but you were also doing events to then publishing online. How did that change how you think about audience or reader or or participant or even community to, to use your word and and chicago is so central to to mass context it's so central to your work and and on the site you say we're based in chicago but our our views are global and i'm interested in sort of how you think about that as something that's very rooted in chicago that is reflective of chicago in some way but is also you know has a community that's that's international I think that comes more also from my from my personal experience. I mean, I I didn't grow up in you know I didn't grow up mm-hmm. in Chicago. I, I I grew up in Spain and spent my first like twenty five years in in Spain. So when I came to Chicago, to me there was also a value about being like I'm a, I'm an outsider in a way. I, right, right. From one thing or another, when I've lived almost twenty years in Chicago, so but I'm still an outsider, and I think that idea of also being a bridge of connecting great things that are happening in Chicago to outside, but also certain issues or topics that might be interesting in Chicago, but approach from uh, an outsider perspective, I think it's very valuable. So to me, that idea of bringing the best from both worlds has been, has been present. But the other part about uh, contributing to Chicago is like, to me, as a practicing designer of any capacity or any, any citizen in a way, when you're in a city, you have to find ways of contributing to that city. Um, mm. To me, it was that role was maybe uh, the publications, organizing events. I think for other people, it might be just attending lectures. For other people, it might be just, um, mentoring. I think everybody has ways that they can contribute, that they feel um, you know that they have the right skills, the right um, time, and mm-hmm. they can commit to it. But it's important. To me, that's something that's like it's important to contribute to the place where you where you practice, where you live, and that you you make it better for you practicing, yeah. uh, but yeah. also for the next generation to to see that there are other options. Um, so those two things have been, I think, I, I think have been key, like finding the finding the elements that were interesting to me, and also having that outsider perspective. And saying that yes, there are great things in Chicago, but there are many other great things happening outside. <laughs> that that conversation is important, and also, you know, not everything is New York, not everything is LA. There are right. Great things in Chicago that we have to mm-hmm. export to other places beyond uh, pizza, meals, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, Al Capone and Michael Jordan. <laughs> Right. Wait, there's more to Chicago than that? No, that's there's it? not. We're just kidding. That's that's it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, as you're saying that, it, it has me thinking about something that I'm not totally sure I can phrase into a coherent question, but I'm I'm really fascinated by what you're talking about that, you know, the way you you felt you could contribute was through sort of this organizing, basically organizing publications, organizing events, organizing, you know, getting people together. And then you're also talking about like where your point of view kind of comes in. And I'm curious how you think about that, if that makes sense, sort of, I'm interested in this idea of organization and, Mm -hmm. and organizing and bringing people together and how that sort of fits in with the work that you do that is a like Eager Gill project or a Lost Studio project. Um, How you kind of think about that? Well, I mean, I think it's, organizing is an interesting question because I, I see that in many cases to me, I don't, I don't see the role. I, maybe as I, as I get older or but the idea that I don't even have to organize many things. Sometimes it's just <laughs> facilitating things. And uh, I think it's just uh, finding aspects that they don't even have to be part of mass context or mass studio, but that I think that are important. And if I can connect two people to do something in Chicago uh, and I can just make that connection, to me, that's equally important. So the, the mm. kind of like the stamp of the office it doesn't have to be always completely evident. And the idea of facilitating more than organizing, that might be a better way of, um, of talking about it. And, right. but yeah, I mean, I, there are people who are great designers, great architects, and that's their role. There are other people who are great team players in an office that are key for the success. 
And in my case, I think this idea of bringing people together has been something that either maybe it didn't come natural, but that's the way that my career has evolved and it's been great. And then a lot of the things or for say like 100% of the things that I've done, they are done in collaboration in one way or another with with other people. So, um, but I have that capacity, I guess, for explaining what what I think it's a gap and an opportunity to explore and then perhaps convince people that to be part of that and find ways to do it. And I think that's where mass context, when you were talking before about how it has evolved, I mean, it's, it's evolved more in less of associating it with a quarterly print publication, right. more this idea of this network, this platform that can bring people together to talk about things that are important and sometimes they are the books sometimes they are an installation sometimes they are you know many many other formats many other other events and it's become messier but much more interesting because you can you can find a strange trajectory of people showing up in different times and it's just it's kind of an amazing uh complicated way of, of explaining what we do yeah. I mean, I, I want to change, I want to sort of take what you're saying and, and actually shift it a little bit. Cause I think this idea of facilitating is actually really, it's a really good word. I, I think it's like a good way to talk about your work at the, the SOM foundation where you're the executive director you've been since 2019. And so I have two questions there just to kind of set up two more questions. Um, can you talk about what the SOM foundation is and um, what your role as executive director of that is? Yeah, so the SOM Foundation was, it's a non-for-profit organization based in Chicago, but it was founded by Skid Morrow in some areas, so SOM, mm-hmm. in 1979. And um, initially there was a, you know, they started the fellowship programs in 1981, which uh, typically it had been the traveling fellowship. So they would support mm-hmm. emerging designers to travel around the world, to experience architecture and structures, um, to kind of like benefit their education. And, you know, they've been doing that for, for many, many years. And since 2018, some of that has shifted a little bit to support emerging designers and faculty and students to kind of like concentrate on topics uh, and research around those topics. So instead of supporting an individual person to travel around the world, uh, you support research done within an academic institution that can benefit a larger a group of people and perhaps do things within a, a studio that they wouldn't do um, mm. otherwise that they wouldn't have the, the means to do that but it's it's in a way started by the firm but it's separate from the uh, from the activities the architectural activities of the firm but it's this commitment to to support education and early practitioners to develop their their careers and so what's what is your role that <laughs> like what are you doing as as executive director and how does that or how does that connect or how does that diverge from things you're thinking about at Moss Context, for example? It's interesting because in a, in a strange way to me, it complements some of the work that I'm, that I'm doing. So as an executive yeah. director in the, la- in the first kind of like three years, what I, a lot of that I've done is actually research the work that had been done in the past, celebrate the fellows. Uh, showcase their work and build build a, we, we created a new website and build the archive mm-hmm. of what people had done in part to showcase their work and in part to be able to build a network of, of the fellows. Uh, many of them didn't know who came before them. Maybe many of them didn't know who came after them uh, because there was not a digital presence. So this idea of um, showcasing the work that had been done in a way to build that network to me was important. But which, in a way, like it's, it overlaps with what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah. In this case, is through you know supporting with other means uh, research, and it just it has a different interest. But it, in a way, it goes from like mass studio where I'm, it's, I'm much more concentrated on on how I personally contribute as a designer, as an architect. Mm-hmm. Mass context as a platform where we build this community together. It's it has much more you know limited resources, and it's about it's much more nimble and which also allows for many other opportunities. And I think with the SOM Foundation, it's it's a much more structured way through five different type of, of awards that we offer annually. But, mm. you know, you have the means 
um, to support emerging students and practitioners in different ways. So it's it's part of a to me it's part of the spectrum of how you can contribute and support all those who are coming um, after you. This is a weird question. Um, but I'm interested in sort of the administrative side of both the foundation and context and how that how that influences how you think about the design work or or the I, I, there's i'm I'm making a false split here between sort of administration and and like creative or theoretical or scholarly work or research work. but how does how does being somebody who has to kind of think through this structurally and systematically change the the kind of theoretical work? well, I, I, yeah, I think it's it's not split. I mean, I think to be able to do the fun things, you have to do the the behind right. the scenes things. so I I think maybe that that's something that people need to understand. You know, when you when we did yeah. the the book about ensemble studio for mass context, uh, it was a great book. It was a great collaboration with Anna Morton and Rick Valicenti for the graphic design, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. with James Florio for for photography. And it's all that amazing collaboration and discussions. But in the end, it's also like you have to go to the printer. You have to when someone buys the book, you need to respond to that purchase. You make the box. I walk in up with a backpack to the post office and I ship it. And so <laughs> the, the non-fancy behind the scene thing are, are, are what makes it actually right. in a way viable because if right. I had a distribution for that book, for example, that I had to pay X amount of money or percentage of the sales, we would never be able to do that book because there are no margins in that book, for example. Mm-hmm. So there are certain aspects in the way you structure your work that, allow you to do the work itself. So to me, being able to, at the SOM Foundation, to be able to create that network, it also requires that you have to create the website to look for, to look through the archives, to email every fellow to get their their files. There is no next step if you don't have the foundational aspect of it. And I don't take that as a, as the negative part of the job i just think it's like i'm excited to see what is the potential of the foundation or mass context where i want to go and and there are the those steps that you need to fulfill and with mass context that that was the reason to have the new website i mean we've we've got to a point that we had a clear idea about how to do print Mm -hmm. publications but we had a website for 10 years that served us great um but Technology has changed, the work we do changes, and we had stretched that to the limit. So the interest, the, the interesting conversation that we had with Span for the, for the website was not only how do you make it fancier, but how does it support the work that we, that we want to do and highlight the archives. And it's, it's a tool now to do other, to do things that otherwise we couldn't do. And that's actually like a really interesting way to kind of talk about how, how you sustain a publication for 13 years. Uh, and you're talking a little bit With about a lot of white hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you're talking about like the, the systems that you need to put in place, the kind of structure, the infrastructure there about sort of evolving with technology. Could you, I, I'm interested to hear you sort of zoom out a little bit and just kind of architecture discourse more generally has has changed so much as more and more things are moving online as there's you know new publications starting um how how you see sort of the way we talk about architecture and design or the way it's written about or the way it's published how has that evolved generally and then how have you kind of thought about navigating that with mass context well I think maybe going back to that 2009 uh, and the experience of doing the book about Shanghai, to me, doing the book about Shanghai taught me a lot about how I wanted to do the work, but also the way I would want to, um, who were the gatekeepers, uh, (laughs) who were controlling maybe those voices or even the challenge to find a publisher. Um, It wasn't like a streamline. I was very happy that Akhtar published the the book, but it also took a year since the book was done to even when they decided to send it to print. Um, and there were certain structures that maybe they could be more agile, I would say. So at that point, also because of the economic crisis, a lot of people didn't have a lot of didn't have jobs. So right. you could see that a lot of architectural 
practice started, started to do in publications and they did one issue mm-hmm. or they did two issues mm-hmm. or they started interviewing people. But then as more jobs came, they all faded and they all disappeared. Yep. Uh, some other publications that were independent, they got bought by someone else that in a year or two, they folded. So it was an interesting time to start a, a publication that was in a way independent. It wasn't associated with any university. It wasn't coming from a successful practice. I mean, I started the publication at the same <laughs> as I was starting the practice with no clients. Right. So I wasn't banking on the resources or the name of another element. Um, so, it was, But it was an interesting time. There were amazing you know, initiatives, I think, the with iPad and digital, there were many tests that, that happened and a lot of them have gone. It just, they disappear yeah. after two or three years. Uh, maybe for good or for bad, I'm very uh, stubborn. So I don't, once I start something, I try not to, uh, to quit. So that's, you know, that's how it stayed until, until now. But it also meant to me that it had to evolve. Um, right. Print or like publications was one way, but as I said, like it has to take different different shapes. In that time, I mean, you, about your question about how it has changed, there are, yeah, there are a lot of books that come out. Um, universities has, uh, many universities, they have student publications, which they are great. Uh, but there are many people that don't fit in any of these uh, institutional structures. Uh, they're not students of these fancy universities that they have books. Um, they don't have access to publishing for a lot for publishing, you know, to publishing a lot of um, publishing companies, mm-hmm. you have to bring also some sources. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can get a grant to support that. So I think there is, there are a lot of great existing structures. And there are also a lot of great people who have very interesting things to say that, you know, they would benefit from finding other structures. In some cases, they want to do it. And in some cases, they can contribute. But they're not interested in creating that structure. So to me, I see mass context as one other place where I'm trying yeah. to um, maybe, I wouldn't say if we lower that threshold, just find other ways to collaborate with people that if it fits with their with the way they want to work, perfect. And if not, and I know other places that they can do it, I'm happy to point out to those. And the more interesting work is out there in a thoughtful way, the better for everybody. I think that's so exactly right. And not to, not to draw too much of a comparison, but that's what's, you know, really important to me about the show is that it's not, it is, it's sitting in that in between the way you're talking about kind of mass context sitting in the in between. It's not part of an institution. Um, I'm employed by an institution, but this is something separate. It's not for academics. It's not for students. It's not for the profession. It's sort of in the middle of all of those. And that Mm -hmm. sort of in-between space is really interesting. And it's also like the hardest um, to to build an audience. I mean, it's like the hardest and the easiest because like you're, if, if you're, if you're kind of being for everyone, you're also kind of for nobody. How do you kind of think about kind of you know, I mean, I'm sure you've had opportunities to kind of join institutions and to kind of take this, you know, take your work into kind of bigger platforms, that sort of, you know, desire to stay independent and to kind of stay in between these, these spaces. I think that the way I see it, I mean, but you're so right. I mean, being that in between, it's, it's, it's very interesting and it's also very challenging. Um, So, I think it's we don't have to glorify or like right, or right. Like, I don't oh, mean this is also yeah. easy and you bring people together. It also means that when you don't have a clear structure, that it's maybe like from a financial model or even the, the people who contribute, you have to you have to create the one that works for you, and that that takes a lot of time and you know for for many years. And we still you know the, the projects that we do, we have to figure out okay, what's the way to to support that work. Um, so you end up you end up having to create your own models that support what you're trying to do and there's like a you know, trial and, and error. Yeah. Um, and I think that in terms of the audiences, there is a general amount of people that might be interested in the way we approach things and they are, you know, they go along for the ride with any topic and any event. 
and there might be people that just are interested in one of the topics in the issue and right. they discover mass context because of that. Or, you know, we've been doing a lot of events now related to the Nakaji and Capsule Tower. And mm. you can see that there might be a very specific audience for that. So, and to me, that makes, that's perfectly fine. Like you just either go along for the whole thing or you you just come across mass context for a specific topic and, and that's great too. Um, the yeah. Maybe one aspect that is interesting is that we're trying to do it with a depth that you can revisit that work years later because the context might, might change and people might find it um, for other mm-hmm. reasons. And mm-hmm. that that role of the archive or creating the issues and being uh, properly presented. And one is to, you know, people put a lot of time when they're contributors to write these pieces, to contribute. And I think it's, it's very important to honor that commitment and to always have that work relevant, even if it was published 10 years ago. So for example, when we did the new website, it's like we went back to 2009 and resized every image and redid everything. So anything that was published in 2009 versus 2022 would look exactly the same. It would be, right. uh, would be accessible in, in similar terms. So, but yeah, like the, Building the audience and building the structure to do these things are are challenging, and we've we've sometimes we go for support or, for example, for mass context as an overall. And but now we're much more project based, uh, where mm. we can figure out models that might just support like the book for you know about Ensemble Studio or the installation that we did with loop work at the right. Geometry of Light. Like we find that maybe finding um, collaborators or institutional support for specific projects it's it's more helpful for for us and also to build those relationships so i yeah i don't we're not bought by an institution but also you want to collaborate with others that share your mission so right i i'm curious you know we've talked about how all this work that you're doing Mass Context, the studio and the studio projects, the SOM Foundation, the books, the exhibitions, which we didn't even really talk about, you know, sort of the curatorial work, but that all fits it. You know, that's all a part of this. Yeah, um, it's different output, but all part of the world yeah. of Mass Context. And and, and, and and the thing that we're saying it kind of connects a lot of them is this idea of facilitation, of, of creating platforms. I'm wondering if you have a sort of... Um, critical project or intellectual thread that connects them all? Is there a, 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 an interest that kind of goes back to that early architecture education and the kind of more traditional architecture work? Is there something there that connects all of this, whether that is, you know, an exhibition you're co-curating or an issue of mass context or, you know, like the, the, the light exhibition or the, the SOM stuff? How does that all, um, how does that all fit together for you sort of critically or intellectually? Well, I, I think even though my my architecture, um, my architecture training was very traditional in architecture in a way of you would go to a practice the way we were taught in architecture in Barcelona, which was great, but it was one way of looking at it. I think that ex- that um, expansion of how architectural and a cultural environment around architecture happened there. I think it expanded the way I knew I wanted to practice. So it showed me something different. And there was a curiosity in me that I think mass context and a lot of the work, in a way, it channels, it organizes, it structures that interest. So I look at those as opportunities to collaborate with with people so i make in a way no distinction if it's an exhibition if it's a book if it's um right but it's i i try not to look at a, like what makes sense as a career i'm more about how does this project contribute something and surprisingly uh-huh. as you know you build years uh, of work some of the things some of the projects that seem to have no connection um, there is a, a threat for whatever reason, whether it's in the topics that you were interested in, the way you collaborated with people, in, that 
begin to connect them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm less worried about what all this work, how all this work connects in a tangible way, one after another one, and more about doing projects that I think are interesting uh, at a personal yeah. level and working yeah. with people at a personal level and also like how they might, you know, add to the series of projects that other people are doing. Um, mm. And then maybe like, you know, when you do a lecture and things like that, that's actually a great opportunity to make relationships <laughs> yeah. that is like, oh, yeah. actually that fits nicely with, with this. And it's a, a moment to reflect or even this conversation is actually interesting too to have this opportunity to talk about um, these larger yeah. ideas that when you're like doing the projects, it's, it's harder to, to see. Exactly. That is exactly my goal. So I'm glad that we've succeeded. You've succeeded. You are a master at it. Uh, that, is, that is totally the goal of these. Um, so what's next for you? What's, what's like, what are you interested in right now? Or what projects are you working on now? Or what's, what are things that you want to be doing more of? Well, for the, for the SOM Foundation, I think we are a great, moment now where the archives have been completed we have all the tools to be able to build onto um you know the network of fellows and the work that they are doing and become more public and find ways of of supporting um mm. practitioners in different ways so we just did a a, a very large event uh, in stuttgart uh with different practitioners that we that we brought there to talk to students but also come together so i think it will be interesting to see that as we continue to do the awards program, some of that can be a little bit more visible because that that will allow us to connect with other people that are, again, like-minded or they might be able to support in a way that they might not want to start the, um, the initiative, but they, we can collaborate with them. I think with Mass Context, we, you know, the website has been um, incredible to yeah. give us a, kind of like a boost and I can't thank enough like span. And again, I, I want to reiterate this idea that a lot of these things, while I might be the, you know, the more visible um, right. head, right. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of people to come together in, in different ways. And uh, some of them are more visible and some of them are less visible, but I think it, it, it takes a lot of effort to make these, these things happen. But the website, it was, a a tool, an incredible tool to do more things. And it came at the same time that we were trying to do or that what we're doing this kind of like reading room in our office where we have a gallery where we can present the work. We tested it last year. We are doing it this year with the work of mm. Noritaka Minami. So having the print publications, which we're already working on other books. One of them is for photographer David Shaliol, who we've worked in many, um, for well, many years. So we're super excited to work with him on this on this publication. So I think we we have now the digital presence. We have the experience of having the book about Ensemble Studio. Um, we're going to collaborate doing more, not quarterly issues, but topic-based issues, which mm. in a way they've turned more into guest-edited issues. And it goes back right. to that idea of um, maybe I no longer have to be the one who drives the topic, uh, but find the people who might be uh, perfect candidates to to be the guest editors for issues because they are already working on on topics that are important they already right. have that network of people and they just need that space and uh, to do the publication so that's something and what i'm interested in, yeah is just finding ways of um of supporting people and i think the example maybe with jermaine barnes uh, recently mm -hmm. it's a it, it, it helps to exemplify maybe the trajectory of how these projects come together where Jermaine Barnes and Sohin uh, Rudbari were the guest editors of the Vigilantes issue. And then we did, there was an opportunity to do a project together for the Chicago Architecture Biennial. And then we supported Jermaine to do an installation in Spain. So something that starts as a publication, uh, you clearly understand maybe what are the, ideas that are driving or interesting Jermaine and Shohin at that point, and then finding ways of continuing to collaborate. Again, sometimes as a full participant, sometimes just making the connection between a festival in Spain and, and the designer, and then he can do his installation and we're there to, to support that. So that, that longer 
trajectory is very interesting to me. With my studio, I think, you know, the architecture, the more old school architecture practice, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit more complicated to do. I think, you know, my career has um, moved into other directions, but one thing that has been constant and maybe playing with the, with the, what you said before, how everything works together. I mean, I did a project in, when I moved to Chicago, I moved to Marina City. Uh, I was obsessed with, with this building. I, I think um, I love this building. I love um, the work of Bertrand Goldberg and the ideas that convey. Um, so I was very interested in that. And I worked with photographer Andreas Larsson to document the, the work of, uh, you know, the, the community that lived in Marina City. And then we were lucky enough that Zoe Ryan was interested in the project and it was shown at the Art Institute of Chicago. But that exhibition then opened up the opportunity to renovate units in Marina City. And mm -hmm. to me, that has been a very interesting relationship. How as an architect, then, you know, you're interested in living well, in a building, yeah. then share why the building is important beyond the traditional elements of, you know, plan, section, model. It's the, the tallest building in the world or this and that. And then talk through the, the residents of the building. Why at that point, mm -hmm. it was like 50 years after it was built, it was important. And then find the opportunity to say, hey, if you want to live in this building, you can have a you know modern features or like you can renovate in a way that you are respectful to the architecture and the original architect, but also make it, you know, make it possible to live with your your lifestyle. So that has been something that we just completed our sixth renovation in the building that I felt like it was to me a way to contribute with my training as an architect. I love that. I think that's a great way to wrap up this conversation, actually. So I'm going to ask you the question that I used to end all of these. What are you reading right now? Well, I just uh, finished reading uh, recently uh, the, the Beastie Boys uh, ah, yes. book, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, so I, I really like reading uh, biographies. Yeah. Uh, so I've gone through... Uh, for whatever reason, lately, some of the <laughs> music ones through like the Bruce Princeton and Dave Grohl and uh, Beastie Boys. So um, that's, and I really, um, I really like the Beastie Boys and I, I like reading <laughs> about their history. So yeah. it was good. I, I actually love the structure of, uh, you know, kind of like the official text and then having the side notes that someone says like, well, this is bullshit or that's not actually how I remember uh, it. So yeah. that, that format, I, I, <laughs> I really, really enjoy it. So. Nice. Iker, thank you so much for doing this. I'm a, I'm a fan of the way you kind of think about your work and see a lot of parallels in, in my own work. So it's nice to sort of pick your brain about all of this. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for, for having it and congratulations on an amazing show. Oh, thank you. This episode was recorded on October 26, 2022. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can support the show on Patreon and find previous episodes wherever you enter podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>